Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 52. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? Doing good. Good morning, Arun. Good morning, listeners. Quick reminder, as always, if you like what you're listening to, share the show. The Driven Mindset is continuing to grow or continuing to gain listenership. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for joining the team. Bring someone else along. This community gets stronger every single new person we see in here. I love seeing uh, people talk about it. I guess getting messages with positive feedback from people who like what they're hearing here. So share the show, share it with anybody that you think will benefit from it. And if you've benefited from it, I would appreciate it very much if you left us a review. Dan, do you have a fun fact for us? You know, there was some interesting things that happened yesterday. And maybe Arun that you saw this, and this is just, you know, part of, you know, what I have. Ford released a new Mustang last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I did um, see that. And, and, and as a Ford fan, I'm... I don't know how I feel about it just yet because while it is really cool, like full carbon carbon fiber body Mustang with a, I it's like a front mid engine configuration thing. Mm -hmm. How they built it with a with a rear mounted trans, I, I just it's really cool, like awesome, but it's expensive. Like it's three hundred grand expensive, and I just don't know if like the Mustang name lives up to that. Like, I, obviously, people are gonna buy it, but I just don't know if that's the right platform. Like, you might as well just make a new GT, in my opinion. So yeah, that that what you just said is a very good point. That this is GT territory. Why are they putting a Mustang into it? And I agree that, yeah, the ethos of the Mustang, the reason the very first Mustang was so successful was that it it injected this little bit of 60s fun into the everyman's life mm -hmm. at, a, at a reasonable price. Right. And $300,000 is not reasonable for a Mustang at, at all. And, and, and like I said, it's going to be a badass car. It's the same people who built the last GT doing it. Oh, yeah. It, it like you know it's gonna be sick, but like it, it's gonna be an apply to buy thing. Like you're not, and you're not gonna touch one if you're an everyday person. You're gonna have to have this huge resume of expensive cars that you've owned, just like the GT, yeah. just like the GT. And then Which, when they do go up for sale, they're gonna be a million dollars. I I do think it's cool that Ford does seem to do this very well with their exclusive high end cars. But Ford also makes the escape, and yeah, <laughs> and and a two point EcoBoost Mustang. But and so this is a perfect example. Living in California, we have a ton of immigrants here from mostly Asian countries and some South American countries, and the people you see driving the EcoBoost and V six Mustangs for the most part are those immigrants and i'm i'm stereotyping yeah but it is a fulfillment of part of the american dream for those people in that they they finally own a mustang and then the, if you're really well off then you get the 5.0 well yeah i mean they they bought an american sports car they bought the american sports car the american sports car yeah which is awesome yeah and you don't see that in a Charger or a Challenger or a Camaro or a Corvette. Those are not the same for this type of persona that I'm talking about, which, yeah, in, in California, especially the buyers of Mustangs are the very, very heavily saturated immigrant mm. populace out here and, and more power to them. You know, it's great that they're able to come in and, get jobs that can earn them cool cars and mm -hmm. the fact that they're still affordable means it's not even that hard to do and you can you can have that on the come up 
as they right. say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, entry level Mustangs when they first came out weren't even two eighty nine V eights. You know, they were they were six, still eight, or were they, they six cylinder? Yeah, they had six cylinder Mustangs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and so I like you know the fact that they have an EcoBoost means you can have a somewhat fun boosted car but that also gets good gas mileage so that we can satisfy the epa and all that kind of stuff man some of those ecoboost mustangs put down some numbers (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) the next point is for those of us who know a bit about what you can do with those cars if you i think yeah dan you know charles Mm -hmm. cerito yep cerithio cerito and he has like an 800 horsepower EcoBoost. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, they don't last very long at, you know, <laughs> that power. But, That's fine. Uh, That's fine. Yeah, they do. They Smiles do per them. gallon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Even though they sound kind of like crap. <laughs> but uh, that's just like a VQ. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably, one, probably one of the worst ones. So did you say that was part of your fun fact? Yeah, I, I had seen an interesting news article uh, about the James Webb Space Tel- Telescope. Uh, and, you know, for those of you who don't know what this is, uh, it was the replacement to the Hubble Telescope. And now they get to go look into deep space a little, you know, a little bit further, a little bit clearer. And um, as they're looking through space and at the stars, they found a question mark in the sky where a bunch of stars kind of formed up and it looked like a, you know, a little question mark. Aruna, I, I'll, I'll send this to you later, but uh, just thought it was interesting. <laughs> I'm making a question mark right now. Right? Yeah. In my yes. head. So, yeah, they took this giant photo, and right in there in the center of it is uh, somehow the stars aligned. Maybe the aliens are messing with us. Who knows? Huh? They're just confused. <laughs> right? They're just confused by us. That's, I think, what it really is. <laughs> what are they doing? Right? <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, just thought it was an interesting article and an inter- interesting read. Okay. So I, I'm personally more interested in the Mustang. I got to yeah. admit, but I know uh, this matters to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I just like space and yeah. you know, every now and then I, I look at it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. When you look up to the sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at night, like I walk out, on, walk out on my deck and I look up and I'm like, oh, I'll be there someday. Know? Yeah. I'm going. I'm going. Heather, go. I'm going. Too bad. I need a <laughs> I need to do some a, a, a quick hit podcast on visualization. Because <laughs> I've been getting way more into it. I finished 75 hard a couple of days ago. And so I've had I've cut down the, the duration of my workouts. And as a result, I've had a bit more free time in the mornings in which I'm doing all of the stuff that I've neglected doing <laughs> for a while. Mm-hmm. And and in one of those is a bit more long duration and intention towards the visualization that I do. And part of phase one of the Live Hard program is 10 minutes of visualization. I've been doing five. Yeah, that in and of itself doesn't make a huge difference. But one of the crucial elements that Andy talks about as he's describing phase one of the Live Hard program is as you go through that 10 minutes if you find yourself distracted, you start over. And I had not really done that. I had always just kind of cruised through. And if I had completely forgotten what I was talking about or thinking about, not talking, thinking about, then I would just get on with my day <laughs> anyways, because I had a tight schedule. And now my, my schedule's a bit more open. So I'm kind of sitting there and really trying to focus in my mind for 10 minutes on imagery that I'm creating and doing everything in my power to not deviate on my train of thought down the path of, Oh, well, so if I, if I want my office to look like that, then where should it be? And how, what kind of commute, you know, the potholes on that road are kind of weird. And I don't know if I, and like, that's what happens in my train of thought. And I can't, I can't do that. That's not part of the visualization. That does not matter. Right. But yeah, I've been I've been getting way more intentional about okay, what is my life going to look like and how am I going to get there? And and that's a big part of the iterative goal setting process and in, in the driven network too. So get in there if you want to learn more about that. Yep, I can definitely sympathize because I've been trying to really 
hone in on what I want life to look like, like come March, April of next year. Yeah. So I have some ideas. So we're getting there. Well, you should already be in pretty deep momentum towards Mm. that time because it'll be here before you know it. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's always keys. So after talking to Heather and like, yeah, you know, I'd like to, you know, start preparing the house to be up for sale and let's there move you go. by next spring. Like hey. I'm out. I'm done with this place. Just spent I'm way going. too much money on a deck and a fence. I'm over it. I'm, I'm moving over. to space. Yeah, right. How are we going to record this podcast if you're in space? You're just coming with me. Too how bad. Does, how do time zones work? <laughs> Is, are um, you going to be able to do 6:30 a.m. Pacific? I mean, <laughs> why not? I don't even know what that is for you. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know how it depends on is. where the moon is. I Whatever. Guess. All right. That, that's <laughs> enough of that topic. So today it, it's a short and dense meat and potatoes part of the podcast here about the state of the union for automotive service. Now, this is something that is obviously very, very much in the forefront of my mind as I am one month into repair shop ownership. We're on track this month to set a record for the shop. The shop hey. will, the shop has never crested $100,000 per month in sales. Uh, and we had 56000 as of August 15th. No way. That's awesome. So, yeah. like, so never ever in the history of the previous owner. Never. That, never. Wow. Because Dude, the, labor rate awesome. was, the labor rate was 60% of what it is now. Oh, well, there, there's, there's the problem. Yeah. Um, even though at one point they had seven techs in the shop, I have Holy three cow. and a half. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And what that is telling me is that all these theories that I have had as a shop coach for the last five years, coming on six years, has been correct that you know, proper business management comes before stressing out about that one car that you need to fix. Mm -hmm. But most shop owners are stressing out about that one car they need to fix. And it does take a different level of shop owner who is thinking about the bigger picture to really turn it into a business that customers can appreciate, that your employees can appreciate And somebody who's into cars so that the cars are actually being fixed properly. We're staying up to date on technology. We're training our employees in the latest and greatest in tools. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so I have a question for you on this. So obviously your background in entrepreneurship is probably vastly different than a typical shop owner. Sure, Do you think yeah. that the the problem stems with like worrying about that one car because most of these shop owners come from working in the shop, hundred percent, and they don't have that you know kind of planning experience. They don't have that business experience. Yeah, or that yeah. Because the thing is, is you can charge people to fix their cars, kind of no matter what. And if you can fix cars, you can charge people for it. That's how it goes. Somebody will pay you to put brakes on because because I quoted a Porsche Cayenne fifteen $1,500 for rear for front brakes yesterday. Yeah, that's that's on par because I just got quoted 12 for my rears. So, yep. Yep. so I mean, um, <clears throat> now I'll probably do it myself. But for convenience factor, like, yeah, people are going to come in and want their brakes done, want their oil change. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm glad you said yes, because I was in that same thinking of this probably stems from mechanics becoming business owners and the business mindset's not a hundred percent there. Right. And so I could never have started a shop from scratch by myself. That's why I have to buy a shop because I could not possibly open a business without employees already in it. Well, right. Cause if, if, if you were placed into a mechanics position your skill set is not there on the shop side nope it's not so so it's a definitely you have to have that balancing act like if you're gonna go into it either have a partner that knows the business side or have a partner that knows the shop side 
And, and you do see that the most successful shops do have a partner usually that is doing exactly that. I am taking a slightly different approach in that I have to be an extremely appealing job opportunity for my employees. Mm-hmm. And it is exciting to see what's happening with my ability to hire people, my ability to retain people. I did unfortunately have an exit interview with one of my employees yesterday. Oh no. But it was on the basis of the prior ownership, not me, which was good to hear in that exit interview, but also that the wheels were already in motion when I took over and this was inevitable. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so so you you were you were screwed on that front no matter what. Right. So the only employee I have lost so far is one that I inspired to start his own business. Well, you know, at least you were inspiring. Yeah, I'll take that. I think he listened to this podcast too, so. Well, yeah. if he's still listening, thank you. Good Um, luck. And 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 I'm glad that we inspired you to move on and do your own thing. Yeah. Well, okay, so so Driven Auto Care is my shop, and I've done a lot of renovations, completely rebranded, new systems, got some of the old employees, some new employees, Huge investment in tools, huge investment into the renovations of the shop. And the goal is for me to put all those grumpy old mechanic shop owners out of business. And so that's one goal that's really a byproduct of being a 21st century shop owner that is able to profit enough that I can expand the business to really influence and impact the perception of automotive service around the world. That is the intention because automotive service in every place that I've ever been is usually greasy mechanic, doesn't want to talk to customers, grumpy, unhappy with what they're doing, dirty shop, gruff, or complete scam artists, chain companies, and dealerships. Yep. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) So chains typically have a very, very aggressive incentive-based compensation plan, which although I agree with incentive-based compensation, it is done in a way that's sort of set it and forget it. And it's very easily manipulative or manipulatable so that Most of the employees that go and work for these chain stores will just screw over customers in the name of a little more money in their own pockets. And dealerships are the same way, structured with really aggressive incentive-based compensation plans that lead to manipulating and employees that don't actually care about getting cars fixed and good customer service. Yeah, that's, that's why service managers have such high turnover rate too. Yeah. Because not yeah. only not only is it aggressive to the customer, it's also very aggressive to them. Right. And and they're answering for all of the shit that yeah, pr- flows much, down yeah. river from yeah. exactly what you'd expect. Yep. And so I'm trying to strike a balance. I am a I'm a business minded car enthusiast. I care about the car. I care about it being fixed right. I care about making sure that the technicians are employed in a satisfactory manner, that they're being paid appropriately, that they are equipped well for the job, that they continue to stay up on training because cars are advancing extremely fast. And right now, technicians are nowhere near equipped to handle today's cars. Yeah. And, you know, my good friend that I hang out with often, I ask him that question all the time. You know, you know, he's been in the business for a long time now. Mm hmm. And I always ask him, you know, hey, Kenny, you know, how are you dealing with like these crazy hybrid cars or these electric cars? Like, like, are you actually working on them in your shop? And he tells me yes. And, and, and I'm like, well, how do you how do you as a mechanic, you know, that's always dealt with gas powered vehicles, you know, old to new ish. How do you how do you figure this stuff out? And he goes, it, dude, it's a lot of reading and I don't have the time or the money to go take classes on this. So mm. a lot of these guys are learning on the fly as it right. comes into their shop, which not, maybe not always is a good thing. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, it's, it works until the high voltage line is cut by an 
non-insulated tool that shocks yeah. and kills the tech that's working on it. And yeah. Then... What what did I, I I think I saw a TikTok video a couple weeks ago where they're like, yeah, my my car won't start or some some sort of hybrid car like it's having all sorts of issues. Well, someone tried to steal the catalytic converter off of it, and then when they when they took the orbital grinder through the exhaust, they cut the high hard voltage line. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, I had a Prius come in that had a check engine light on, and the fix was to plug in the hybrid battery. <laughs> okay, <laughs> very unfortunate. Yeah, that you have to unplug the hybrid battery to replace the twelve volt battery. And uh, when they plugged it back in, they didn't clamp it, and uh, so it like vibrated off over time. Yep, that yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. yeah, so so yeah, like the the on the fly training with all this new stuff. Yeah, they're really not equipped, and it, it there are going to be good mechanics that will just know and be able to learn on their feet. But I, I think that the good majority are going to need some help. But so that brings up a good point is we're not attracting the right caliber of people into this industry right now, because for some reason you get paid the same amount to change oil and bust tires at a dealership as you do working at Carl's Jr. Right. Which yeah. is insane because yeah. which one is a harder job? Which one requires more investment in yourself? Which one requires more investment in equipment? I'll tell you, working, working at McDonald's for 1550 is an easy job. Yeah. You just show up, put your apron on, flip burgers, go home. Pretty much. And and here you got to buy tools. You got to learn. You got to attend training. You're liable for six figures a day or more of vehicles coming through your shop. If you bust a tire and you nick the wheel and there's a slow leak in it that doesn't get caught and then it hits a really big pothole and blows out and skids three lanes over and crashes into a semi that flips onto its side and murders a school bus full of children, that's on you. Yep. That's the, yep. obviously the very worst of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had a friend that, uh, that was fired from a dealership uh, because a, a wheel flew off a car he touched. Yep, exactly right. So in it in it in the thing is is when that happens, that tarnishes his, his entire career. Yep. Like like what shop is gonna want to hire him, even though maybe he did torque him down all the way, maybe he didn't. You know, who knows? Uh, but yeah, it, it makes it very hard for him to go anywhere after that. Right. So so we need to change something. We need to absolutely change something. And so Driven Auto Care is going to be the best automotive service facilities in the world, all over the world. And we're going to do it mostly through customer education in saying, no, this is what you should be paying for quality auto repair. This is what you actually need to pay because otherwise you have so much risk rolling around underneath you everywhere you go. And mm-hmm. you don't want to take that risk. It's worth making the investment in preventative maintenance, in people who care and know about what your car is doing and how it's being used. And we're going to give you maintenance schedules, things to look out for, education on your vehicle, show you the tools that we're using, show you the components that we're replacing. Because I want you to know, even if you have no idea about cars, how insane these cars are today. Yeah, and and that was my big thing when I was selling, you know, on a retail front too. Was sure. like making sure that your customer knows exactly what they're buying and why they're buying it. Mm-hmm. And it and then you know then the relationship's so much better. Then you have an educated customer that you know knows the worth in what they're buying. Right. So here's where we're at today. This this episode is really state of the union of where we're at. I've proclaimed all of my plans. It's enough of that. Automotive service today is known for three things. Three Ds, I call it. It's known for delays, it's known for deceit, and it's known for disappointment. Now, yeah, getting your car fixed, if we're talking strictly about auto repair, that's always going to be disappointing. You don't want to spend money just to keep your car safe and reliable. It's already an expensive thing. You're already maybe still filling it with gas, that's expensive. You're paying for the insurance on it. You might be paying for parking and now it breaks and you have to fix something on it and you got to spend even more money on it. 
but let's just think about how useful cars are. And we've talked a lot about how awesome cars are in general, even to the general public. I don't want to go into that right now. But needless to say, automotive service, automotive repair, automotive modification has been this really frustrating and also deceitful and distrustful experience for a long time. And so now owning a shop and actually sitting at the front desk, I'm seeing this perception where a customer, and this happens probably three, four times a week, we get like a really bad one, where a customer comes in and says, or basically assumes that we are going to screw them over in some way. Now, I don't really want to deal with those customers unless I can convert them. So after I give my spiel and they're still not convinced, they're going to get fired. But this one lady a couple weeks ago that still sticks in my mind, apparently, and I didn't do the checkout process for her, but she complained that we charged her $30 to replace a fuse for her cigarette lighter when we had given her a 100% discount on it. Huh. Okay. So, so because I, it was on the bill, yeah. it was on the bill saying $30 and we gave it to her for free because I had screwed up something else on the job. So I was, I was extending an olive branch, but she saw the $30 on there and got mad that we could charge $30 to replace a fuse. And even, and then saying that we gave it to her for free as a peace offering was not good enough, Mm. basically. And that's a very interesting place to be, right? Yeah, Where a customer, is, a customer is mad that we are charging generally $30 to replace a fuse in the dash. I'm sorry. We're, that's what we charge. You didn't know how to fix it. You could have yeah. fixed it yourself for $2. <laughs> I mean, depending on what your labor rate is, how long it took to diagnose what fuse it even was, what fuse cost. I mean, $30, I mean, I'd spend that. If I had to, I guess, on a fuse, but like, you know, better. I know, I know better. I'm like, I'm trying to put myself in her shoes uh, or I guess her, my, my wife's shoes. Yeah. She, cigarette lighter doesn't work. Yeah. Fix it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty much. But yeah, but, in, that, that's why when we did ours, like we, we did line item in invoices and we'd go over it before they went out, went out the door and why and. And uh, that's sad to hear your olive branch didn't work, though. (laughs) Right. So cars used to be simple. Cars used to be more simple, at least. And I wasn't really around for this time period. But in the time of the Chevy small blocks and that world where people were pulling motors in their driveway in half a day and putting the new one in after the other half of the 12 pack of beer was gone. You know, those those days are over. Yeah, so so what year do you think that cars no longer were simple? I I, I have emission systems. Oh yeah. Were you gonna say fuel injection? No, I, I would say cars started to be at least from my point of view, I think anything post two thousand is hmm. more complicated. I think some but, things in the nineties were complicated, but definitely not post. 2000 stuff i think as soon as emission systems went on to cars in the 70s but yeah i mean that definitely made it more difficult to catalytic converters o2 sensors egrs purge valves charcoal canisters like all the stuff that it's a lot of stuff that goes wrong on today's cars that doesn't matter for the functionality of the car right evap system just all of that <laughs> yeah i mean i just think since the turn of the century it, they those specific systems have become even more complicated for no well, reason. And, and we went from you've got a little tape deck and a antenna to okay, dual zone automatic climate control and a navigation system. Yep, and everything is controlled through a screen. And uh, yeah, that that did not help anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like sixties and seventies stuff. 
Man, yeah. you can have a motor in and out of those cars in like two hours. Right. <laughs> like it's nothing. <laughs> there's there's only four things that plug in, not 277. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, your, your uh. fuel hoses, your bell housing, and then maybe some harness stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like it is done. Yeah. But so the culture for a, as long as we've been alive, for sure, has been a race to the bottom on mechanic services, auto repair services. And you and and still today, it's not very difficult to get into owning a shop. You, you, you know, sign up a lease, get a uh, at least in certain states, get registered as an automotive repair dealer and hang your shingle and you're done. And, and you get to work on cars and that's not helping anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so even in my little plaza of automotive repair facilities, we've got people charging under a hundred dollars an hour. It's insane. And then we've got people at $200 an hour. That's probably more right. <laughs> yeah, that is right. Yeah. And we're playing this dance of raising our rates quickly but slowly so that it isn't yeah. something that people are super, super aware of, but that we're still able to continue to make a profit and, and make money with the business. That's the point here. Yeah, it always blew my mind, like even here, more so where you are, uh, like why people are willing to charge under $100 an hour for their time. Like, it, mm-hmm. like come on. Like value yourself a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just insane. Yeah. And so, you know, we're we're suffering from that perception that this is a really competitive and oversaturated industry where people are racing to the bottom because they wanted to work on cars, because they were able to teach themselves how to do it or whatever. And here they are with a business charging way not enough and competing against people that are providing a completely different service. Mm-hmm. And that's that's unfortunate, but those are the people I want to put out of business because right. we don't need that in this industry. We don't need those kind of people dragging us backwards. Well, right, because, you know, of course, the customer wants the cheapest available labor rate and price. But they're going to get what they paid for because that person's going to go and cut corners so then they can get the next car in. Yep. So you yep. get what you pay for. So yep. then the customer is upset, angry, uneducated because they don't know why they got screwed on this. Like, then you have shops like yours who's charging the right amount. You're educating your customer and then everybody's happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're investing in technology. We're investing in training. We will continue to be able to service your new cars for decades. And that's that's what we're trying to accomplish here. And so one last point on this is just that the enthusiast world that we're both very familiar with and su- suffers from the same problem. Oh, so yeah. even, even if it's not a disappointing thing that you got to go get your car fixed, even if it's supposed to be a fun thing, cars are unpredictable. Cars are complicated. You're going to run into situations as a service provider where something doesn't go right and you have an opportunity to delay, deceive, or disappoint your customer, but you can choose to figure out how to make it right if you're charging appropriately and you have that profit margin wiggle room to be able to make it right with a discount or some sort of incentive or some sort of perk to that customer to make up for kind of sometimes what could be considered an inevitable issue, but is still something that as a professional, it's on us to handle. That's what I love about it is that we can be the professional and when we're educating the customer appropriately. And I love my favorite thing to sell is diagnostic time. Yeah. It's so much. I love doing it because I'm changing people's worlds with mm-hmm. with, with what a check engine light means. Right. Yeah. There are so many people that I've talked to, like even like just base knowledge of tuning and like trying to describe that to them and showing them like this is what the readouts are telling you what your engine is doing. Like their mind is just like, boom, mm-hmm. like, holy cow, all of this goes into my car running. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, 
I believe there's a very simple solution here. This is my, this is the conclusion of the state of the union. It's going to get more expensive. It's going to Mm. get a lot more expensive. Parts, maybe not. Parts is going to continue to be a very highly saturated uh, and competitive world where you've got the entire international arena playing in this in this game of manufacturing aftermarket parts for repairing vehicles. And right now, where a, a module from a certain OEM might cost $4,000 and be backordered to infinity, ideally, you've got enough manufacturers around the world who are out there replicating those modules such that or and and I guess replicating those modules to a, a high degree of quality such that they work. But so we we won't be beholden to these insanely high prices of these new and advanced parts forever. Sort of the point on that. But the labor rate and even the way you think about labor rate is going to go up. It's going to be completely different because it is just incorrect where we're at right now between how complicated the job is, how much our technicians deserve to be paid, how much our customers don't understand how much we are doing on their cars and how important it is that we get it right. This is a highly, highly, highly valuable service that we're providing. I believe in that till the day I die. This is incredibly valuable to society and right now $85 an hour is not going to cut it it's $50 an hour Craigslist mobile garage driveway mechanics not (laughs) going to cut it $50 an hour with customer supplied parts from AutoZone right yeah my my biggest thing is pay the techs there's any shop Mm -hmm. owners that are listening to this pay your guys because back you know in the 60s being a mechanic was this awesome glorified job that paid really well and you're screwing your guys by not paying them and you're screwing your customers at the same time it's crazy to hear how little a lube tech at a dealership gets. yeah it it, it's crazy and if you want to attract quality people pay them Mm -hmm. freaking pay them absolutely so that's where we're at. That's where we're going to wrap up today's topic. But the show will go on because we're doing a bring a trailer appraisal segment. Yeah. Cause, and also the Dino 246 GTS finally sold. Yeah. So we got to revisit. <laughs> so, so I can revisit <laughs> how much it sold for. How much Arun misguessed by. Uh, it's not just a rude misguessing. It's Dan definitely misguessing too, because <laughs> I didn't did not expect this number. Um, I, that, I probably would have guessed like seven fifty if I hadn't actually known what it was, and I would have been wrong. You, you know, I the whole reason why I picked it is because I thought it looked cool, <laughs> and I remember like playing Forza with this car. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, it must have been slow. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I think it was like a class D Ferrari or something like yeah. that. It, it, but uh anyway, for the listeners uh from two weeks ago, I think it was now. Uh yep. the 1973 Ferrari Dino 246 GTS sold on the 13th for five hundred and ninety-nine thousand dollars. Congratulations. When I looked this car up, it was like a hundred and eighty-six grand. I think some somewhere in that ballpark. It was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> Did not see that one coming. So congrats to Muscle Cars seventy nine for buying that car. Whoever you are, yeah, just that was a that was a wild one. Did not see that one coming. <laughs> so Dan, do you want to go first with this week's, or should I? Yeah, I'll go. I got this. <laughs> You want, you, you want me to read out or you, you'll read out? I'll, I'll read it to you. All right. Let's All see. Right, you, you ready for this? You, you got to you gotta get this right. Just saying. I'm put, putting Arun on the spot. 1995 BMW. Oh, no. <laughs> M3 Coupe 5 Speed in Dakar Yellow. How many miles? 70,000. Hmm, that's not that. It's pretty good. Not that good. 
72 um, inch, you know, that silver wheel. Yeah. Vice yeah. Or is it a six um, it's a five spoke thing. condition. Um, I would say that this is clean. Carfax. For 95. The underside's got a little bit of gunk on it, but I mean, it's also 95. Um, it had two previous owners, six service history records. Uh, no accidents. It looks clean. Yeah. According okay. to Carfax, it is clean. The engine bay looks clean. The interior looks immaculate for a 95, in my opinion. Does it have the Vader seats, the striped seats? No. The the M striping on the on the back of the seats, mm-hmm. Vader. Nope, it does not from the photos I see. Okay. Um, it does have a sound system in the trunk, if that matters. Okay. Is it a coupe um, or a sedan? It's a coupe. Okay. It is a coupe. Okay, 70,000 miles, the car yell. Is there anything notable about it? Or is it just kind of a standard? It's got the wood grain trim in the interior. Uh, Any mods? It looks super clean, like untouched kind of clean. So I would say this is fairly unmolested. Uh, It does have the luxury package and a body color sunroof. And it's on the trailer. Yeah. I know this is the bring a trailer segment, but just in case oh, it shows another in, auction site in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. I don't know how much that really matters. Oh, wait, but it's not as long as it's not Adam LZ selling it. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't live in Pennsylvania. He lived in Connecticut before, but I think he had a Dakar yellow E36 M3. Okay. I like this car. I think it's cool. But yeah, nothing super say, notable other than this than the audio box in the trunk. I'm gonna say thirty to five hundred. That's what you think it'll sell for. That's what I think it'll sell for. How many days okay. are left on this auction? Uh, it's actually four hours left. Oh, or just under five. Uh, All right. So now hours. that I have submitted my guess, then I want to look it up and see how how we're looking. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, maybe you never, you never know. It's okay. got four hours. We're, we're talking it's morning right now. Someone in California might wake up in a couple hours and say, I want so, it. So for the listeners, it's at 23 right now. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I don't, I don't think what your, your guess is, is inherently wrong though. I mean, I would say it's probably a $30,000 car all day long. At least here in Nebraska, it would sell for it, that. It's already gone up three grand today. So yeah, that's so a good I, sign. I, I yeah, like I said, there's going to be some people that are going to wake up on the West Coast here soon. They're going to be like, uh, so yeah. I just thought that was an interesting car. I think I think your your guess is close to what it probably should be. I'm going to leave this tab open today. I unfortunately have picked one for you that doesn't close for two days. That's okay. Two days. That's okay. Yeah, okay. You ready for yours? Heck yeah, let's do it. It starts, the the listing title starts with the word supercharged. (laughs) It's the, it's the BMW. No. Oh, dang it. I saw a different, (laughs) I I saw a supercharged BMW Z4. Well, there's a supercharged E36 M3 on right now too. Ah. But it's not that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Supercharged 2000 Toyota Ooh. 4Runner. <laughs> oh, is it a SR- Magnuson supercharger? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Oh. Mm. Oh, I like this. TRD supercharger. Oh, it's a, okay. So it's a TRD. I think Maggie made those. I think. Well, okay. So it's an SR5 four wheel drive being sold no reserve. In Florida with 174,000 miles. It's an automatic in black. It is, I believe, yeah, three inch lift on Bilstein's skid plate. Good brand for the lift. Tundra front brakes, some aftermarket wheels, some big all terrain or mud terrain tires. And mm. then, so you have some additional information, some help on this car. Okay. So the help is, I told you it's no reserve. That's one of the little labels that Bring a Trailer gives you, but there's another label. Alumni. Yeah, okay. 
And so this sold on Bring a Trailer last year in July. Okay. Okay. For, for $18,250. See, and, and like I'm sitting here as you're listing this stuff off, I'm thinking 20. Mm-hmm. That, that that was my initial guess. And in 22, vehicles were high, especially on vehicles like this, because older older Toyotas are huge in the um, overlanding market right now. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, it has a minor damage reported on the Carfax. Yeah. Six I owners. There's some mention here of something on the fender, but it looks like it's been fixed. How many miles? 174,000. Damn, that's high. No, that's broken in on one of these. Yeah, right. But it's supercharged, (laughs) so. Yeah, that's cool. And it's black. Man, if it were white, I'd be all over that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with 20 grand. I I think they're worth that. I don't know what the bid is at bring a trailer now, but well, you I, that would be my guess. You've yeah. given your bid, so I'll tell you what yeah. it is at. It's at twelve thousand five hundred. Yeah. Okay. With, with two with two days left, so plenty of time to get there. I I just every other one that I've seen is somewhere within that fifteen to twenty grand range for that year set, just supercharger so, or not. And you know what's funny is I actually have one of these in my shop right now. Yeah, it we're doing a front bumper, really big, heavy front bumper on a 2004 runner. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. My parents had a 97 forerunner when I was a kid. So I, I've looked this thing up. This is the one with the Michigan plate on it, right? Michigan plate in Florida, it's in Florida. Yeah, that is a Michigan plate. Yeah, yeah. Even though it says clean Florida title. I, yeah, I'm like looking at this like this is Michigan. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, some of dude, the pictures, I, I, they took the plate off the back, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I would pay 20 grand for that. Ooh, put in your bid right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> See if you win it. I, I don't want to pay 20 grand right now for it, but I would. I think I definitely think it's 20 grand vehicle. Hey, the bid on the M3 went up to 25. Oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> See, we we just had to talk about it. All right, all right. Keep well, it up, right, everybody. I, I will. I will save this one and keep it open so I can keep an eye on it. Because, yeah, those those older Toyotas, man, they're they're popular right now. They are, especially, yeah. especially here. Oh yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I mean, they're they're buying them whether they're early 2000s to current they're buying them and then they're doing like their weekend adventures in colorado and stuff yeah so all right well that is going to uh to wrap up today's episode anything else you want to cover on the state of the union of automotive service bring a trailer nah you know i i told you in a text or no it was an email that i wish we could have had a guest on here to have like an actual mechanic on to talk about it because like right their point of view would have been completely amazing to hear. Um, you know, just the wealth of knowledge that they have from the other side of things that you and I don't see. Um, yeah, true. But uh, I, I think you, I think you're nailing it as far as like what needs to change. Um, I, I, I think labor costs need to go up. I even think some parts costs need to go up in my opinion. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not sure that, uh, some of these parts are, should be as cheap as they are, even from oil changes. Some of them should be more expensive, in my opinion. Um. So yeah, I, I think I think you're in the right wheelhouse of what needs to change. Pay All your right. tax. Pay Damn. your tax. Absolutely. Damn. Um. But what's going on in the uh, the driven network? Since I missed the call on Wednesday, what what are we doing? <laughs> so the driven network, we had a an interesting. We've had an interesting few weeks. Let me say that. Okay. We have discussed changing jobs. We have discussed time management. We have discussed how to fit health and fitness into a very busy schedule. Mm -hmm. We have discussed 
the concept of being too busy and how it doesn't exist. What else? What else? And we have discussed, oh, basically don't listen to your own limiting beliefs, but everything, you know, I, I try to stay away from a lot of the cookie cutter motivational advice that people give. And I try to try to put a spin on it or a little flavor of what my interpretation of it is. And if I don't have one and I think it's already been done to the correct extent, then I'm not going to say anything more or I'll acknowledge that it's already good enough. But in a lot of cases, it's the fact that when I first heard it, it didn't click. But after I worked with it and chewed on it a little bit, then it clicked and I was able to implement it in my life and get better. Well, yeah, I mean, that that kind of comes back to a full circle of like when I asked you, you know, passion over profit, like you had to stop and like yep. think about it. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah. So. So that's what's going on. We still doing our, our uh, Wednesday morning weekly calls. I still fit that into my schedule. Heck and yeah. uh, what else is going on? Well, the. The daily motivational messages. Today's was early because I woke up early today. Woke up at 3.30. So. Everybody was up early today, even me. So, there you go. So, not stuff. by choice. I'll tell you later, but not by choice. I was up at 1.15 a.m. Because the dog forgot to eat dinner. Oops. <laughs> he, he had the option to eat dinner. I gave him food and he did not eat it. And then he decided at 1.00 that he wanted to eat weird dog weird dog <laughs> indeed and uh you know if you if you want to hear more about what's going on in the day today you can find uh, my instagram stories at arundi kumar and i'm still recording but have not yet made any other moves on a new driven diary episode but i'm you know 32 days into daily two to five minute recordings of of how life is going and I intend to put it all together here at some point. So you can also find us on YouTube at Driven Diaries. And uh, Dan, where do you want people to find you um, on your latest TikTok post? <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to make one. I should have should have made one when I was at the gun range over the weekend. But <laughs> um, yeah, my, my TikTok has now officially been changed to D LaRue, uh, which is awesome. Um, but I don't use it often. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook at Dan LaRue, Instagram at Dan underscore LaRue, uh, LinkedIn at Dan LaRue. And uh, if you want to find me on X that I'm currently banned on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's dealer 95. Uh, 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 it's been three months of me like filing appeals and they're, they're never going to unban me now. It's because I don't pay for their stupid subscription. That's hilarious. Yeah. <sighs> It is what it is. I didn't use it for anything major anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. I, I I have the app. I don't use it at all. Well, I think that's all we got for today then. So thank you for listening. This has been Arun and Dan. And until next time, stay driven. <laughs>